break the chains Break the cycle Bringing to you Shadi's World Short Story Podcasts. We want to tell you a story. Listen and enjoy stories from African writers. We want to inform, inspire, and educate to you. We will communicate. Told stories of Africa. Welcome to Shadi's World Short Story Podcast and thank you very much for um, joining me. We're going to be reading your story, Condoling the Twins. Is there anything you'd like to share with uh, our listeners about that story? Well, just that you should listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but other than that, what made you... Actually, maybe what I will share with you is the reason I chose it. And it it resonated with me because it's... I won't give too much of the story away, but it's about this duality of how we deal with things in different cultures. Would you say that's right? Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. It's like a mirror. It's like a, a mirror image. I mean, it's not giving anything away to say it's about twins. Yeah, yeah. It's about condolences. How they receive condolences. Yeah. And uh, I, I, what really inspired me in writing that story is how we tend to receive bad news or give bad news yeah and so uh, you know being around my fellow countrymen and seeing how it's done from place to place yeah it just got to thinking uh, and i put my story cap on another question i would like to know because as a writer as well i always sort of wonder where people's stories come from are you one of those people that you just hear a snatch of a conversation and that sparks an idea um, uh, I never go searching for a story, actually. Yeah. I, I, so to actually read a newspaper headline or to read newspaper headlines mm. in such an inspiration would not occur to me. For me now, to get a really good story, I need really poignant or really affecting inspiration. Another question is, I love films and I love watching films. If you had a choice of adaptation, whether it's a short story or a novel, what book would you like to see on the big screen? That's a, that's a tricky one. It's tricky because I really have that compidious uh, memory of all I've read and enjoyed. I was going to say, choose one of your own stories and that you would like to see made into a film. Um, I think that what I'd really love to do with my work on film It'll be a kind of TV special series, which would involve um, making my stories, short stories, into 15, 30-minute films, 10-minute films. Like a yeah. webisode? Yes, exactly. If there was something that you could change in the world today, what would it be? I would make it such that if you pulled out a weapon... <laughs> Everything you did on that weapon, with that weapon, yeah. would hit you first. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that would be really poetic justice, you know. And to my final question, 
Um, you're not just a writer, you're also a lawyer. So what practical advice do you have to anyone who wants to pursue a writing career? Most of all, I think it is a passion. Uh, obviously, you can't do anything about the talent you have or don't have. Uh, what you can do is, with whatever package you have, add some passion, add more passion. What really makes a difference is just that small, that little extra effort, you know. And if it's passionate, so it's not so much drudgery as inspiration, then it makes a huge amount of difference. Chuma? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can yes. Hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, you're going to have to do a lot of editing. Yes, I know. Okay, so <laughs> here's my question. Why are you doing this? Why am I doing this? Well, one of the reasons I'm doing this, I, I live in the UK, um, and I'm, I'm one of those people who used to complain bitterly about the lack of diversity in the media. If you want change, I believe that you have to start with yourself. So hence the reason why I'm starting with myself and trying to raise awareness. There are writers out there of African descent. And what I'm trying to do is bring the readers and um, the writers together so that they can discover each other. Does that make okay. sense? Oh yeah, it certainly does. Well, thank you for what you're doing. <laughs> Well, thank you for uh, joining us today on Sade's World Short Story Podcast. Hopefully, we'll get to share another of your short stories if we manage to raise enough money to do the next set of podcasts. But yeah, thank you so much. No, a pleasure talking to you, Sade. Have a good day. Reading Condoling the Twins is Tayo Eleshi. When Taiwo arrived at the bus park in Saji village, her two elderly uncles were waiting for her, along with Sister Hajo and her cousins Eleke and Rekia. She looked around anxiously, and sure enough, a teenage house girl was bringing up the rear, carrying a plastic chair on her head. Taiwo knew immediately what that meant, and her mouth dried up. She came down from the Badon bus on tottery legs. She dropped her travelling bag and clasped her hands on her head, Oh, God, who has died again? Oh, ah! What kind of prayer are you praying for us? demanded Sister Hajo angrily, as Cousin Eleke hauled the travelling bag onto his broad back. Nobody has died. We just came to welcome you, that's all. Let's go home. Half dozen of you. Last vacation, I walked from there to the house all by myself. Today, there's six of you. Tell me the truth. I'm not a child. We heard about your promotion and came to greet you, lied on Kukola, taking her by one arm. Is that a sin? Why are you carrying a chair? demanded Taiwo. And why are your eyes red? Did you see Lucifer? It's Apollo, lied Rekia. He's been going around since last week. It's terrible. Taiwo snapped her fingers tragically and looked up into the evil sky. It is Mama, isn't it? And she was only 68. Who's going to wear the size 49 panties that she asked me to buy? Eh? My mother is waiting for you at home, said her jaw. Don't use your mouth to draw something bad, oh. Is it Auntie Roti? Asked Taiwo tremulously, holding back her tears. Her uncles were the strongest in the delegation, and they stared her gently away from the press at the bus park towards a kiosk that sold ice-cold drinks and puff-puff under a touched respite from the sun. 
Her uncles were the strongest in the delegation and they stared her gently away from the press at the bus park towards a kiosk that sold ice-cold drinks and puff-puff under a thatched respite from the hot sun. Somebody that I phoned this very yesterday and I thought that the wound of her oppression was finished healing. God! <laughs> God! God! Stop taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain, counseled Uncle Toyin, lubrously. Auntie Rotia has lost a kidney, but she's alive and well. Baba? It is Baba? So the 70th birthday we have been planning since January will not be a burial ceremony. Hey! I am dead. In one voice, they denied her dad's death so vehemently that Tao realized that he was indeed dead. Her friends had already bought the celebratory ashurabi for the birthday anniversary. Now they'd have to convert it into a funeral uniform. Her legs locked and the funeral procession ground to a halt a dozen paces from the soft drinks kiosk. The uncles were large people, but they were also elderly, and Taiwo was pretty substantial herself, difficult to sway against her will. Rakia snatched the chair and positioned it directly behind the bereaved woman, glad for once that she had been insistent. The uncles had argued against the chair, but Rakia had known how impossible it was to escort Taiwo all the way home from the park without a blabbermouth villager expressing premature condolences. They tried to press her into the chair, but they were rooted by the eruption of her subterranean grief. Rakia grabbed Taiwo's handbag for safekeeping as the wailing woman ripped off her scarf and ripped at her blouse. The relatives struggled to protect her modesty in that public place but she was keen and whirling around and around in a hysterical gyre. Soon, uncles and cousins were on their hands and knees on the dusty ground and she took madly to her heels. It was left to quick-witted bystanders to grab and bear her up to the soft drinks kiosk. A reinforcement of relatives arrived on the scene supplementing the voluble remonstrations of the commiserators from the bus park. An hour later, despite the ministrations of a bottle of cola, Tawa had lost her voice. Still, she had calmed sufficiently for the 300-metre trek to the family house. Have you told Kende? She asked hoarsely as she rose. They answered in the negative. Pulling her phone from her bag, she dialed her twin sister who lived in South London. Kende had lived in England for two decades. Although she had not visited Nigeria in six years, she had already booked a ticket for her father's 70th anniversary at year's end. She was standing in a rush-hour train with her husband, Damien when her phone vibrated. Although the train was packed, it was also quiet, with only the rustle of newspapers to break the monotony of the rumbling track beneath them. They were a minute from a tunnel when the blinking phone displayed her sister's name. Kende was smiling as she flipped it open. Ty girl, she said softly. Let me call you back. Babatiku, sobbed Taiwo, breaking down again. What? whispered Kende. The line disconnected as the train raced underground through the tunnel. She put away the phone, blinking rapidly as she tried to master her emotions. Are you okay? said Damien, taking her hand. She nodded, holding head up high, recruiting gravity to keep tears off her cheek. My dad's just died, she explained quietly. I'm so sorry, he whispered, squeezing her hand. He was about to hug her when an inadvertently eavesdropping youth in front of them rose silently and offered up his seat. Kende dropped into the seat with a nod of gratitude. She pulled out sunglasses to shield her suddenly red eyes, but it was not necessary. Everyone politely averted their eyes. Eleven minutes passed before she really had to open her bag. 
but the elderly woman next to her was holding out a wad of tissues. It's a pity, she said softly, sympathetically. Thank you, replied Kendi. She blew her nose discreetly as the train arrived at their station. Then they debarked and walked swiftly for the exit. As they passed the flower shop, Damien hesitated and ducked into the doorway. Wow, that was amazing. That was Taya Aleshin reading Condoling the Twins by Chuma Unwokolo. If you've liked what you've heard so far, then please, 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 please share with your friends and family, everyone you know, even your enemies. We'd like to spread the word as far and as wide as possible. If you want to get in touch with me, well, you can hit me up on uh, Twitter at imagine underscore this. Alternatively, you can also give us a thumbs up on Facebook at Sade's Short Story Podcasts. And that's me signing out for the week. Uh, next week, we've got another story by Chika Anugue, which I will be reading. Till next time, latest peeps. Thank you for listening to Sade's World Short Story Podcasts. Break the cycle.